So you've listened, you know, my podcast, you know, my spiel. I want you to learn to love your story. I want to help you instead of hitting midlife crisis (laughs) as we're in our forties and fifties and sixties, I want to help you hit your centered life thriving, that place where you have really just kind of fallen into that perfect glove fit and nobody can stop you. Like really the sky's the limit. You're excited about getting up every day. And that's something to say, right? Like that's something to say across our life, but it's pretty remarkable when you're a woman in midlife and all of the conventional wisdom, conventional, culturally, socially conditioned wisdom has told us we're too old, we're too fat, we're too this, we're too that. Where do you go from there, right? And you already have all kinds of programming and conditioning that has you beating yourself up over the choices you should have made, would have made, could have made, and regret making. And so like, you feel like you're just lost at this place. So how is it possible if I really just dance around, do all of these things with you, Dr. Natalie, that this is really going to work? right? Is that where you're at? If that's where you're at, keep listening today because I have a story for you. It's my story. And I think it's a pretty powerful one. It's not unique, but it definitely will help you see that any place that you're starting in this process, even if you're closer to the crisis, which I was, then it's okay. That's exactly where you should be. And the small steps you're taking today are large gestures towards your centered life of tomorrow. Welcome. This is Midlife Crisis to a Centered Life Thriving, a podcast that teaches women in midlife to unapologetically stop silencing their dreams and start designing the lives they want to live in. I'm your host, Dr. Natalie, and as a clinical psychologist of the last two decades and a twice divorced single mother myself, I not only know how hard it can feel heading into midlife, I am living it right here with you. I have taken all the many failed attempts and lessons learned in my own life and combine it with my extensive clinical experience to give you the tools you need to make midlife the best time in your life. No joke. So let's get started. Welcome back, everybody. I'm in a little different place today. I'm actually uh, doing a, a therapy day. I do a private practice. And this is if you sit across the couch from me virtually, pretty much what you would see on one of my virtual counseling days. But I had just an epiphany. I was looking through some of the comments from my self-love podcast that was last week. And um, something hit me. Something hit me pretty hard. I was thinking to myself that... If me today was saying things like this on a podcast, I would feel pretty overwhelmed if I was me in 2018. Now, me in 2018, in September of 2018, was uh, just moving into the place where I live right now, just starting over for the very first time. So five years time is a lot of time. It's a lot of real estate between version of me today and version of me then. And um, here, listen. This version of me here, this 
fierce and femme version of me or feminine fierce version of me. Um, she was, she was not here. Five years ago. She was, she was not here. She was hot mess. And there was a lot that was happening in my life back then. And I made a bunch of decisions, you know, to get myself started, but there needed to be some kind of line in the sand where I decided to self transform into the version of myself I wanted to be in a step-by-step process instead of expecting myself that it was just going to be like a light switch. That's what really had to shift for me. I still was carrying a bunch of baggage with me from my past that told me that if I were going to if I were going to make this new life of mine work, and I was in a hot mess of a time going through a divorce, uh, making changes all, all around my life. But if I was going to make this work, I really was going to have to be a transformed person. I was going to have to love myself every single day, just like I was talking in last week's podcast. However, the idea of doing that when I was so mad at myself for some of the choices I had made just seemed insurmountable. To be honest, I really didn't like a lot of who I was back then. Um, and so I I thought, you know what? I had this epiphany. And so I'm sitting here in my therapy chair and my therapist hat is on. And I thought, God, like, what did the version of me back then really need to hear? And I bet there are listeners that need to hear this too. And some of you might be further along. You might be closer to like hitting your centered stride. Good for you. I'm so excited to hear from you as well in our comments to this podcast, but I'm really inviting those of you that are kind of on the front end of this, that are interested in what I have to say, um, but just really don't think that it's real. And so let me set the stage for what I'm going to read to you. But what I'm going to read to you is, is a love letter that I wrote myself. And it's something that I would advise that you do for yourself too. In this love letter to myself, I want you to see the context of this. I was having a lot of sleeping issues back then. If you are a woman in midlife, you can empathize. But if you're a woman in midlife going through a major life overhaul, lots and lots of stress, you empathize even more. So we already know that stress interferes with sleep. We already know that midlife hormones interfere with sleep. And the combination of that really leaves women... Man, if you have a night where you're exhausted enough to fall asleep, you'll probably wake up in sweat, right? Like you'll wake up with some sort of night sweat event. And so then you've woken yourself up again and it all starts over again. So even if you're exhausted enough to need the sleep, you're probably not going to get good all the way through sleep. And it was a pretty regular occurrence that somewhere in that witching hour, that 3 a.m. hour, I would be waking up. And I'd be having difficulty falling back asleep. And so one of those nights kind of in this mindset where I was like, I need something needs to shift. Something needs to give here. I wrote this love letter to myself, but let me back up a couple stages. Now I've talked about these things before. So this is no new news if you've been listening to me for a while, but I just want to put this in context. Literally in September of 2018, I had just moved into the place that I'm living in. I think it was actually like late August when I moved into this place. So it's been five years 
And um, and this is my home office. So <laughs> this is where I'm sitting coming to you live. It's actually where I usually come to you live with um with my home office bookshelf behind me and the office suite office sign right behind me. So this is this is something that just really occurred in the when you think about 47 years, I'm almost 48 now. So like Oh, and you think about that chunk of change of real estate, five years isn't a lot of time, but five years is a lot of real estate and a lot of time when you think about where I was and where I am today. And I've, you know, gone through hellacious things before, but I think, you know, to tell you that I went through a divorce isn't being completely um, detailed enough about how devastating this time was for me. So what had really occurred was that I had been through a divorce before, right? It was in my late 20s. I had an infant. I knew this and I knew all of the pieces that go into it. Your whole life starts over. You're financially in ruin. Like, there's a lot of stuff that goes into divorces, not to mention the fact that I didn't want my first divorce. I was really um, not the one that was the impetus of that. But I I, I did finally say, listen, we got, we got to call a, a thing a thing. This isn't working for either of us. And so um, then I mutually got on board with what we were doing. And so there was all that devastation. Right. So I, this is nothing new to me. Right. It was nothing new to me as far as, you know, how devastating this time can be. But I think that I went in with a bit of hubris <laughs> in my second time through an experience like that. I was thinking to myself, well, this life that I built myself, though, I built before I got remarried. You know, I had a community around me. I had friends around me. This a partner of mine became friends with lots of those friends. But like all of who and what I was and how I had established myself, really, I had created prior to even um, starting dating that partner. And then, you know, subsequently we were divorcing. And so I was like, okay, I got, you know, I have, uh, I was a little cocky. Like I really did have some hubris. I really thought, well, I've got a lot of social support. I'm going to be okay. Like, yes, it's devastating. Yes. But I have, but I expect, and I know all these parts and what kept flooding me in the middle of the night when I would wake up <laughs> were my regrets. What would finally like it, it, the, the impetus that would wake me up was usually a dream about a memory that was really just devastating for me. So my brain was doing exactly what it should do. I'm a trauma therapist. I'm an EMDR therapist. If you want to learn a little bit more about trauma, I might be making another podcast, but I'll of course advertise that here once I get that started. Um, but I do think that people are quite curious about this stuff. And so kind of naturally, um, Francine Shapiro, who created one of the most renowned trauma therapies, it's called EMDR, which is eye movement desensitization and reprocessing, uh, that trauma therapy and her theory, her hypothesis was that like during REM sleep, our brain is kind of trying to, you know, make sense of our lives essentially. And so it made sense to me as a psychologist. Yes, of course, these will be the dreams that I'm like, you know, I wake up and then of course my sheets are soaked and I'm hot and I'm uncomfortable and I have to go to the bathroom because I'm a woman in life. And so, and I had all that going on and I was like, uh, I'm not going back to sleep. So I started writing um, some of my blogs kind of were little starters during that time. Right. But on this particular night, I woke up and I remembered something um, that involved uh, my kid, <laughs> my oldest, who's now 20. And I had just a, like I was consumed in regret, consumed in regret. 
And in this moment, what I thought to myself was, if I was a friend of mine, so I'm using one of my self-compassion strategies, right? If I was a friend of mine, what would I say to her, to this mother whose you know son is now living with his father and you're waking up in the middle of the night remembering some of the things that you didn't do well at all, like really kind of biffed it um, and, and beating yourself up like, well, maybe that was part of why he didn't want to live with me after I divorced or why, you know, it's best for him not to live with me. I, I was using this just as part of that inner mean girl vileness that we can get into. And I stopped myself and I had enough of my, you know, observer self, my mindfulness to get down into the depths of my ocean and stay still and think, now, if I was my friend, what would I be saying to myself? Because it wouldn't be this gross crap that's flying out. It wasn't even in my mouth, but just going through my brain right now as I beat myself up. And I thought to myself, you know, I really feel bad for her because I know her. And I know she wanted to be the very best mom she could have been. Like, I, I know that that was probably one of the biggest, you know, issues and considerations when she was dating. And I know it was one of the biggest considerations when she got married. And so there was no way that any of that, you know, it, 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 she wasn't, she was trying to do the best by this child, but she was doing it with what she knew how to do. And, and guess what? She made mistakes because we do. Cause that's what happens. And so if, if I know this mother version of me and I know that she had no malintent in anything that she did, then beating her up in the middle of the night does not seem like the right thing to do. Just being compassionate and kind with her really thing that seems like the thing to do. Right. And so, you know, I just let myself flood with my emotion of it, but I kept like a mantra apologizing to myself, like, just, I'm so sorry you had to go through that. I'm so sorry that mothering had to happen in that context. I'm so sorry that you're holding all of this responsibility for all of your, you know, decisions here when really it, it wasn't hundred percent you, like, I, like you did the best job you could. And I just over and over kept saying that to myself. And after that cathartic experience, I really was like, Oh, so that's how self-love works. Okay. So this is how I'm going to have to show up. It's not like I just wake up one day and I love myself wholly and wonderfully and I fiercely protect her. Oh no, <laughs> this is going to happen like one inch at a time in the trenches and trenches are going to be witching hours at 3am when I wake up from a dream where my brain is trying to make sense of how I found myself here and the choices I made. And instead of participating in the old version of me that beats myself up and feels overwhelmed and is like, how am I ever going to get through this? And I'm going to just have to throw more work at it. And no, that I know where that goes. I've been doing that for 40 some years. I know exactly where that goes. It goes nowhere fast. It's not the place that I need to be. Where I need to be is a really good friend to myself, really kind to myself. And that is where this letter came from, my friends. Again, it's written at three in the morning, <laughs> um, five years ago in one of my worst moments. But I figured, you know, we all deserve to hear this. I've decided to make a big change in my Learn to Love Your Story business. 
I'm going to start doing individual coaching. People wanted more of an individualized touch and I get why. So here's the thing, go to the notes and click on the link to get your free one-on-one coaching session with me. Yeah, that's right. Free. And here's how I do this. I have an assessment that I've put together that really helps us to evaluate your midlife and get you back on course to have that centered life where you feel like you're thriving and really loving life as it is right now, not waiting for some epic thing to happen later in your future, but really loving your life that you're in. So I start with that valuation and we sit down together and have a conversation about it. And I'll set you on the course for where you want to focus your efforts. So be sure that you sign up for your free one-on-one individual coaching session. I'm really excited to be adding this to the whole repertoire of what I do here at Learn to Love Your Story. And I'm really excited to get to know you just a little bit better. So here is how this letter goes. And I wrote it with the thought that I was going to read it again to myself in a year. And I've done that not every year for the last five years, but about three of them. And then I've written back to myself. I'm not going through the whole thing, (laughs) but that's a fun little journal exercise that you and your therapist might come up with for yourself and, and has worked for me. All right. So here's how it goes. Dear Natalie, one year from now. All right. Here marks a new journey. I'm writing this letter to start us on the right path. It won't be the easy path, dear God, I hope this time next year it's a little less rocky than right this minute, but it will be the path that will give us what it is we deserve, what it is our babies deserve, and what it is that their babies and their babies deserve. I am going to work to fix the wrongs done to those that went before us and in their bravery gave you and I the skills and afforded us the opportunity to say, This ends now. This is going to be raw work. It's going to be dirty work. It's going to be honorable work. It's going to be blessed work. It's our sacred, holy work. So I've never written a letter to myself before, and forgive me if this is not completely understandable. Hopefully, I will get better over the years. And there will be years, the best years of our lives. They are all ahead of us. I promise you that. I think a good place to start is to tell you how much I love you, how wonderful I feel that I get to be this person. When I live in the embodiment of the woman of God that I am, well, I'm unstoppable. I've always known this. My fuel is driven by the spirit that interconnects us all, and my abilities increase with each new challenge. I am a superwoman. I am what God intended me to be. What is hard is that I don't live in the embodiment of that part of us much. And her strength has atrophied over the past seven years. Forgive us for that. It's too burdensome to hold on to regret. And all of life is our teacher, even the difficult times. Sometimes those are the best teachers. We are a marvelous group of women and girls all balled up inside one bag of bones and skin and muscle. We have fought the good fight many times. We have had to survive battles we did not start that were gifted to us at birth to try and solve. I adore each and every part of you, of us. I am not always happy with the way things have been handled. However, I value and honor all the efforts that have been forged on our behalf. What I am hoping that this letter can do for us is start to unify our efforts 
ground us in where we've been, who we are, and where our journey is taking us. We must practice grace and love. We must respect even those among us that we are least proud of the actions of. We must never belittle one another or second guess why one has come to the battle and what they have done in order to help us survive. We will not allow ourselves to be the perpetrator of violence and destruction in our own life. We will not, and we will do the hard work of staying on alert for this internalized oppression and listen and believe one another in order to best protect you, us, Natalie. I love our intellectual side. She is genius and her confidence is burdened. We must lift her because she is wise beyond her years and will have good input into what we do. I also love the worker, the one who comes when everything is done to shit and picks up the pieces because someone has to do it. It has to be done. I love the part of us that is childlike and her desire to be loved and want a safe place to be. We are her safe place and we must help her to see this and believe it effortlessly. She was given a tall order, however. This wound runs deep. The wound of the little ones were never good enough and always needed to earn the love of their father. This story is not just ours. I know for sure it was our mother Victoria's. But given its veracity, this wound has been around for centuries, I am sure. This is a wound of many, many, many foremothers. It is the wound that we see playing out in the media. It is a wound that only the little ones are given to bear. We are all here to help them, but they have to do the work. If our worker could fix it, I know she would have by now, because that girl is a beast. If our witty and sarcastic teenager could have fixed it, she would have. But her survival strategy was to deny to the self and disguise to the world. If our mother part could have swooped in and made it better, well, I don't even need to finish that sentence. I love you all. I love the angry side of us who feels so betrayed and so over all of us right now. She is sick of the repetitive nature of our battle, and I can empathize with that. Her tolerance is wearing thin, so she needs us to lift her up too. I do not know the way that we will take any more than an acorn knows that it will become a grand piano someday. I just know that we will do it. I have faith in us and in the spirit that binds us. I know that we are more amazing than this world has ever seen or ever will see again. The days ahead, they will be tough and they will be wonderful at the same time. Our life is only just beginning. We are becoming aware of one another. We are starting to understand that when we work in isolation of one another, it is the story of internalized abuse to keep us from rising and devouring whatever comes in our way. And we are not going to let this story write our future. We are the author, narrator, characters, and creator. We are the ones who will carry ourselves through whatever this world gives us, powered by the spirit that connects us all, who have come before us and all who have yet to be. Unstoppable Natalie. That's what we are. Unstoppable. I am sorry for our pain. I also know our pain is a great teacher to us. And I thank it for its service in our life. 
We do not have to bring our pain with us everywhere though. We do not have to be branded or marked by that pain. We only have our pain because we also have our capacity to love, which is the spirit working within and outside us. We will be okay. I know that. I just do. We will enjoy life again and more with more frequency than we've felt burdened by it. I know that too. You are loved, my dear, absolutely unconditionally loved, and you aren't even here yet. You are still a year away, and we are so excited to have you join us. We love family gatherings. We love celebration with one another. So welcome, Natalie. Welcome to this wild ride of Natalie's life. Welcome to the battleground of past wounds that we will not pass on to our children. Welcome to the adventures we will be having and the many accomplishments we will be sharing together. Welcome. Welcome. All right. I just wanted to take a minute and thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for making this podcast even a thing. It's being downloaded all over the world, which really amazes me, but it also warms my heart because I felt like this is the kind of information that women in their 40s and 50s and 60s need to start hearing. We need to get a fire lit under us, right? But we also need to know how to go in the right direction. And it's hard when you hit midlife and it feels like life is just not clicking. I want to help you have a centered life to feel like you're thriving and that you love every minute of your life as it is right now. And I promise you, you really can do that. And I am so happy to have you here. So I just wanted you to hear that. Be sure that you're following me and wherever you get your podcasts so that you never miss when I drop a new one. And also like and comment. I do listen. If you've commented on these podcasts, you'll see that I start feeding you more information about those podcasts. So I know not everybody wakes up at 3 a.m. and writes something like that. I've been a trauma therapist for years. Those of you who listen to me and know anything about what I do in my practice know that a lot of how I talk to myself and broke myself out into parts has to do with the kind of therapy that I'm trained to do, not you know, not untrue. And I used all of the skills, all the resources that I could come up with at that time. But what I want you to know is that the version of me that wrote that she was broken. She was rough. She'd been through it. And this was her attempt at connecting to a future version of me to help her see the bigger picture when she couldn't see it in the moment that she was in right? That's that power of being in your observer self, of seeing all, all aspects of yourself, all versions of you, all places you've been and will be as all part of this human that you've been assigned, this soul that you've been assigned. There's some God talk in there. I'm a very faith-based person. So all of me went into this letter to myself. But the whole point of it was to remind me that it's baby steps. It's one in the simple things, right? We will write ourselves. We definitely will. We will get to places in our life where we enjoy more of the days than we don't. But if we're in the mess right now, and I think some of us really are, you know, it's okay. That part of us too is part of this whole narration. That part of us too is part of this whole story. 
And if she needs some help and she needs some guidance, it may not be coming from where she's been. It may be coming from a version of her that she's creating, that she's stepping into. And a gesture like this, an activity like this, like writing a letter to yourself is a really powerful way of borrowing from that version of you and getting strength and wisdom from her, right? But it also allows us to weave and integrate that into parts of ourselves that we're not so happy with. The part of myself, for instance, that I woke up in the middle of the night, that particular night, just bawling about, right? I mean, one of the most enjoyable aspects of my life was being a mom. And I was in that moment ready to excise that part of my life out, which probably wasn't going to work out well because I had a little toddler sleeping in the next room. Right. So I, I can't, I can't tell the mother part of me, you, I'm done with you when I'm still momming. Like that's not okay. So I needed to be sure I needed to figure out a way to tie myself to the future version of me. So I know that when you listen to my podcast, you want better for you. I get it. And I know, especially with some of the titles that I flash across the screen, you're like, yes, mindfulness is going to fix this. Self-love is going to fix this. We're going to be able to power through that. The idea is maybe it'll happen overnight. Now, There are ways to accelerate it. Go back a few podcasts. I talked about using auto hypnosis as um, something that's of advantage. Mindfulness, though, long game, but please start wherever you're at. Like these tools are helpful. Some can accelerate it, but mostly you just stay mindful and go into those still waters. And those still waters might connect you to versions of you that you need in, in really difficult moments. Like, 3am if you wake up and you're stressed and you're a woman in midlife and can't fall back asleep and your mind starts going. And of course it's the inner mean girl, you that comes out, right? I want you to know you're not alone, that this is not something that's an overnight success, but a centered life means that you're doing lots of little things and creating habits little by little by little that accumulate into a new version of yourself that, man, you wouldn't want to be anybody else, any place else. And that even when the hardest of life's challenges come your way, it's it's a hard wave, right? It might knock you back, but it doesn't knock you out. It just gets your resolve going. You just get back up And no, I can pivot through this. I can pivot through anything. Now, the version of me five years ago did not believe that. At a cellular level, she knew she was supposed to, right? She was listening to the right podcast too. She was reading the right books. She just knew that life sucked. That's like her whole embodiment was life sucked. At a cellular level, that's what she felt. And if you're there, that's okay. That's just where you're at. What I want you to do is start wherever you're at to tie yourself to the version of you who knows differently. And that might be a future version of yourself that you're creating. That's, that's what it was for me. That's what that letter was about. That I loved all of me, didn't like all the decisions I had made, but I wasn't going to be a participant in the kind of abusive you know, socially normed conditioning that I had grew up in 
that media does that I wasn't going to be, I, I wasn't going to perpetrate that violence on myself anymore. Nope. I was just going to show up and love any part of me. Even if I didn't like what I had done, I wasn't going to not love who I am at a core. So that's how you put it into action. And if the version of you today at a cellular level can't embody the belief that you're going to be able to transcend this, that's okay. Then use things like a letter to yourself, you know, talking to your future self in your mind, use those that mindfulness practice of even just tying yourself to a future version. Could the future version of me just give me a little nugget of wisdom today, right? There's guided meditations with that kind of um, guidance for you to use. If you can do that, that version of you will give you what you need in small, little increments, So that five years from now, you do really have a different perspective. Honestly, a year from then, I did write myself a letter back and I was still in it. I was still in it, but I was doing much better. And five years now, it seems like a lifetime ago that I was in that desperate space, but I'll be there again. That's just humanity for us. And the version of me today She's transformed how she manages through those kinds of things. So I'm kind of like excited. Seems like the wrong word to say, but listen, bring it. That's how I feel about it now. Bring it life. I'll, I'll take it. I'll do what I can do with it. But I know that the version of me today is so much more able to take on those challenges now because of what I said to myself five years ago in the middle of the night. It made a huge difference for me. I hope it makes a huge difference for you and that it helps you to see that learning to love your story is really how we get into our centered life thriving. All right. So I'm adding a little addition here. It's the legal stuff. Just so you're aware, nothing in any of these podcasts constitutes actual psychotherapy. Yes, I am a licensed clinical psychologist in the state of Minnesota, but everything here is just educational in nature and is a suggestion of things that you could be doing in your own life to learn how to love the life that you're in instead of waiting for a life that you're dreaming of to come towards you. So just remember, this is not therapy. And if ever you need any resources for mental health, look in my notes and I'll always have a little blurb at the bottom where you can click on a link and get those services for yourself.